0: Continue in that atmosphere of worship and continue in that atmosphere of that dual reality. Um, One of the things that we've been building on as we're growing in this over um, the beginning of this year. Um, So, one of the things I want you to remember last week we were in Ephesians chapter 1 and we went through a little bit of chapter 2, and we're going to go back there today, just building upon what we're doing. Um, I would say probably last week and today is still more of the introduction of this. Um, just again I cut it off today when I quit writing I was like "All right, that's probably enough for today Um, probably uh, some of you would think too much Um, but um, I hope what you see as you grow in this I want you to get this revelation it's more than just me giving you some words but when the spirit speaks to your spirit and it becomes alive on the inside of you it's unstoppable it's unstoppable don't matter what anybody says to you, they can't argue out of it because some man didn't teach it to you or or reveal it to you. The spirit did. And when the spirit speaks to the spirit and awakens it to truth of who they really are, there's no turning back. No turning back. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, Paul says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through what? Faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power that works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor, supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, realm of power and existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church." God has put, what? Everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now, when? Now we, his church, the body, are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. That's that picture of that great circle dance of just being in that pleasure with him overflow right that as we live in overflow life begins to spill over then we looked at look at verse uh, five and chapter two even when we were dead and doomed like you couldn't do nothing about it but that's what was coming through Adam even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins he did what united us Took you and made you his very own. Doomed our many sins. United us what? Into the very life of Christ. And did what? Saved us by his wonderful grace. Then he did what? Raised us up with Christ, the Exalted One, and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now co seated as one with Christ. Recap real quick from last week. These are the introductory passages we used last week. Just recap real quick. Remember, we talked about there's this dual reality going on, that you are in this realm, right? You're operating in this fleshly realm. You're operating in this all the time with your five senses, right? What you can taste, what you can touch, what you can hear, what you can see. All those things. What you can do, what's right in front of you that you see with these physical eyes. But you're also a spirit being. And you are seated in heavenly places. When? Right now. Not in the sweet vine by, according to Scripture, not according to me. According to Scripture, you are seated there right now, living a dual reality. However, most of the time, most of the time, this is what we do. And I, and I, and I saw this illustration. Actually, Brother Rick used this illustration this week. He comes by the school sometimes. And uh, he, he got a coin or something. Nobody got a coin. Anybody got a coin? Nobody cares change anymore. You got a debit card? I'll take a debit card and swipe it now. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. It don't matter what kind it is. All right. So quarter, and he uses illustration as our problems. Right? That our problems. Sometimes we can say that's our problem, but a lot of times when we open our eyes and look at our problem, we look at it like this. Well, guess what? What all can I see? I got my eyes open. I don't see any of you guys. Right? All I see is the quarter. And in fact, my problem, if I would get perspective, is really like this. It's underneath God's feet. Right? And so he used that illustration as problems in our life. But I'd like to also point out this dual reality. Most of the time, we're looking through the physical eyes. And this is all we see is what right here in front of us. And if we would allow ourselves to allow the physical realm to kind of do this as we turn inward to the spiritual realm, we'll see a whole new world. A whole new world. world. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no I'm just kidding. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> May it come back to you one million fold. <laughs> um. So we. Focus so much when we have these realities in front of us, but it's where you put your focus. It's the lens. We talk about a lens a lot of times. The lens that we're looking through of how we see things, of how we view things. And I'm trying to get you to a place where you are operating from the time that you wake up to the time that you're going to bed. That you're in this dual reality. That even that as you're going to bed, you know that you're about to go into dream world. And it's not going to be based off something you ate. But it's going to be based off of spiritual. And he's going to take you even in your sleep to spiritual realities that you're going to visit and have dreams and visits in the night. Okay? That's where he's taking you. It's not that those things don't exist now in your life. It's that you are not aware of those things most of the time. We're so focused on the realm that we're in, we can't see the spiritual reality of what's going on around us. Right? So go with me uh, to Matthew chapter 11. I want to point out something Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Um, as you turn there, um, three things that Paul said in Ephesians. That exceeding power that's in you. Did you notice, we said this last week. but There are three things that he said about you as you turn to Matthew 11. There are three things that Paul said about you. And he says those things happened whenever you were co-meaning what? Together. When he died when he was resurrected and when he ascended you were included in all three parts included past tense it's a big deal it's a big shift in your thinking right Paul's writing that's past tense that happened 2000 years ago that's why he said on the throne and said it is finished right so get that in your head you're included in that so whenever it's talking about Jesus if that's where he is you are what Anybody but Brent? You are also. Thank you. Right. Very good. All right. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. Now, while John the baptizer was in prison, he heard about the wonderful deeds of Christ. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Are you really the one... The prophets said would come or should we still wait for another? You got to get in your mind, right? He's expecting like Jesus is going to come sit on that throne, right? He's still in old mentality. You Remember, John the Baptist, still Old Testament. You understand that? Even though we're reading about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, he is Old Covenant. He is Old Testament. And so he's asking, look. I was expecting that if I'm going to prepare the way for the one coming, well, should I be in jail finna get my head cut off? I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> right? Like, I need to know. Don't we do the same thing? He's giving us all this. I just read all that to you in Ephesians. And then we do what? Uh, we look around at our present reality and say, so, what? Uh, Are you sure you are what you say you are? Who we are that you say we are? Are you sure? So John's got a legitimate question, right? Sometimes we have a legitimate question, but it's all based off on our lens. It's all based off of what we're looking at, what we're seeing around us, what our focus is on. Does that make sense? So what does he say? He sends this word. Ask Jesus those questions for me. Jesus answered them. You give John this report. Right? And I would say he gives us the same report. Listen to the way he says. The blind see again, the crippled walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes to those who are not offended over me. As they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What kind of man did you see when you went out into the what? Wilderness. John left the, wil- the, the city and he went into the wilderness to hear from God. Get a word from God. And what word did John get whenever he came into the wilderness? And what did he start saying to everybody? What was the first word he said? Anybody know besides Judah repent was first word right repent why the kingdom of god is what at hand right the kingdom of god repent that word again as we've said multiple many numerous times does not mean come to the altar get slobbery snotty so that you can feel sorry for yourself and hopefully get the pastor to feel sorry for you And then walk out of the church. That is not what repentance is. Repentance means get the same mind as Christ Jesus. Look. See things like the Father sees them. Think like the Father thinks. And he says, why do you need to repent? Why do you need to get this new way of thinking? Because the kingdom is right at hand. It's right out there for you to get it. See that? It's right there for you to get it. But you're going to have to What? Get a new mindset to be able to reach and grab, right? As they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about, John, what kind of man did you see in the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? Who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in the splendid fashion of the day? Those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in palaces? Or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past but he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of scripture. Which one? See, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me right before Christ and prepare what? Hearts to receive me. What's he saying? John's coming, get their mind renewed so that they could what? Receive This kingdom that is at hand. It is right in front of your face. For I tell you the truth, throughout history, there has never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer, yet, yet, there's not been a man in the old covenant, old system, the old testament, that supersedes John the Baptist. Yet. Don't you love those words yet? The least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom will become even greater than John the Baptist. That means what's offered to us today will be greater than John the Baptist. Because that's Old Covenant. Stepping into the new. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until right now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. At this time, at this moment, John the Baptist, remember, before he was thrown into jail, he had a great crowd that surrounded him, asking him questions, and he's teaching them. And actually, he's baptizing people in repentance and getting them to think newly, to get a renewed mind, to see this kingdom that is coming, right? And he's saying those people gathered around him and they pursued him. Now they're gathering around who? Jesus. They're reaching out to him. They're wanting to take it by what? some of your translations may say what did the woman that touched the hem of his garment she had to push her way through all of the crowd because she knew that it was right before her she just needed to reach out and touch it and the passionate they take it into their hands what did he say Up until John, from John the Baptist until now. Get the picture in your mind. You remember the the vision I told you that the Lord gave me whenever the crucifixion and the resurrection, it was like this at the earth, in the very center of the earth, at the core of the earth. And it was just a ripple effect across the earth saying, now new life is birthed from here. The first fruit among many will grow this thing the way it was supposed to be from the very beginning. Another thing he showed me as I was reading this, he said, "Think about it. When Jesus come up out of the waters, what have we always taught you? What did that scripture say? And it says that the, the heavens did what? didn't just open up a little tiny bit, it says it violently ripped open. Think about this. These are spiritual things, right? It did what? It violently ripped open. The same wording that is talked about there, where the heavens ripped open when Jesus came up out of the water, is the same words that we get whenever it says the veil of the temple was ripped into. So it's a voluntary. So it's ripping open. What we're we talking about now, we're going beyond physical to spiritual, right? This veil that was over the people's eyes. This veil that was over all of humanity, right? And death reigned up until this point, right? This, what did Isaiah say? This deep darkness covered the earth. And what is he saying? He's preparing the way. And as he's preparing the way, what's happening? It's being ripped open. So that what? Heaven can invade earth. Right? You see that? You see what I'm saying? So then he says, For all the prophets in the Torah prophesied until John appeared. If you can receive this truth, John is the Elijah who destined to come. So listen and understand what I'm telling you. How could I describe the people of this generation? You're like children playing games on the playground." Yelling at their playmates. You don't like it when we want to play wedding. And you don't like it when you want to play funeral. You will either dance nor mourn. Why is it that when John came to you. Talking to these religious people. Why is it that when John came to you. Neither feasting nor drinking wine. You said he was a, there was a demon in him. He didn't drink. He didn't go to the parties. Right? And did they find fault in him? Religious people still find fault in him. Yes or no? Yes. And he says, but when the son of man, talking about himself, came and went to feast and I drank wine, you said, look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all his time with tax collectors and other sinners. Listen to the statement. But God's wisdom, not the wisdom of man, but God's wisdom will become visible by those who do what? It's right there. Just take it. Receive it. That's all I say. You don't do anything. You did nothing to earn salvation. You did nothing to gain salvation. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's love or to get any more of His love. There is nothing you can do. It is free gift. It's right in front of your face. Embrace it. Squeeze it. Right? Come here, Jewel. I was thinking about this when I was reading this and, and thinking about that passage. She always makes her nervous when I say, come here, June. Even at home when I say, come here. Yes. All right, so I was thinking about this. Stand right there. Poke out your lips like you're going to kiss me. You got them poked out? Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't Don't move. Just keep them poked out. I'm nervous. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm smiling. Is it right there, waiting on me? Mm-hmm. She ready to embrace it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stop now. No. Right? She got lipstick on. Yeah. <laughs> it never stops coming. It's right there. Never stops. It's always waiting and ready to. No, I'm not done. So listen, ready to embrace. You got to embrace it, bro. But when I finally realized. Look, I used to have this mentality when we were dating that she was going to um, leave me or whatever, and I had to look just right, and I couldn't have a gut, and I couldn't look like, now or anything like that, and, you know, just worried about self-consciousness and all this kind of stuff, and one day she just said, look, you need to get into your mind that no matter what happens to you or what you look like or what you say or no matter even how mad I get at you because I get mad at you sometimes, you just need to realize that I am never going anywhere. So there's that picture of of what I just said. Mm -hmm. It's waiting. It's waiting, right? And even if I think she's mad at me, and she's not, I'll be like, Ah, should I approach? She probably doesn't love me. So distant from me. Still got your lip poke down? Yes. Oh, you don't brought the Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) But when I turn to embrace the circle dance. <laughs> I receive the love. Does that make sense? It's at hand. It's at hand. But the Bible says, as one turns within, the veil is removed. It turns inward into the embrace that's already there. You see what I'm saying? That's the picture he gave me last night. Whenever I was thinking about, it. yeah, I'm good now. That's the picture that he gave me. To give to you because we understand physical things. But Jesus always gave parables to show you the spiritual reality. Right? Spiritual reality is he's there. He's not going anywhere. He's just waiting on you to embrace him. Right? And even when you choose not to, guess what? He's still there. anywhere. not going anywhere. He loves you so much with an infinite, passionate love. And he says... But God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. So this message of repentance was that kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way you're thinking. Get the way that Abba thinks, right? Look at what Jesus said we just did back before Christmas. We went through Jesus in the wilderness. And did anybody, just to point it out, Matthew four seventeen. does anybody remember what his first message was when he came up out of the wilderness? Matthew 4, 17, in case you don't remember, from that time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words, keep turning away. That's the Passion's version of saying repent. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God. So turning from sin means that disease, that self looking at everything else in the wrong way, Adam's way. Do what? Come back to God. Look the way he looks and for heaven's kingdom realm is now, Passion says, now accessible, some of your translation may say, at hand. Meaning it's right here. Right? John the Baptist goes into the wilderness, this is the message that he gets. Jesus comes up out of the wilderness, and this is the message that he gives. And he's preparing <clears throat> the way. Right? And what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? And the violent take it by force. In other words, you press in. Let me show you what I mean. Since the moment that John showed up, people have been looking and, 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 and pressing in, right? I showed you that picture of what it looked like when they were around John the Baptist versus whenever they are looking around Jesus. And this is how the kingdom operates like this. Revelation is given to the people, right? And the kingdom people, so the kingdom people do what? They press in. For the last five years, Since you've been with us, right? One revelation upon another revelation. Now, each revelation, it took time, right? And there's still sometimes we have to go back and revisit those things as we talked about before. The Spirit will take you around and around because He wants to take you to a higher level in that subject matter. But what He's doing is He's growing you. So, for instance, whenever we first came into Brent's house, there was a lot of talk about grace, Right? Not Grace Deer, but we did talk about her sometimes. But grace and receiving that grace, believing that grace, seeing the grace in Scripture and experiencing the grace, not just with him, but with one another. And he began to grow us through grace. And the next thing he began to show us was signs and wonders. Still exists. They didn't, they didn't go away. Okay, well show me that in Scripture. He began to reveal it to us in the Spirit. He began to reveal it to us in Scripture. He began to reveal it to us with confirming signs and wonders. Still does it to this day. Right? But guess what? He didn't just leave us there. He took us through identity, showing us who we really are in Christ, establishing who we are so that we would have the authority over the earth. But we have to get identity first. So as we're building, if you don't know who you are, you're not going to walk in authority, right? And so what he's beginning to do now is he's beginning to establish us over this last little while into sonship. Because we, the earth is groaning for the sons of God to rise up and take their place. And so what he's establishing, not just in this group, we're not, we're not more special than the world. Because guess what? This message is not just in Mangum, Louisiana. If you open your ears and you just begin to see, he is blanketing this all over the earth. Sonship, rising suns and taking their place all over the earth. We're just where he put us here so that we can establish it here. There are other people in this earth that are awakened to truth, and they're establishing kingdom everywhere they go, right? So that's what he does. We cannot stay where we are. Again, we're never just put here to just exist. We, we didn't come into salvation and understand salvation just so we can be here until we in the sweet by and by one day. We can enjoy these things, but there is a plan. There's a purpose. There's a reason you were here to bring kingdom here and establish it on the earth so we cannot stay where we are just like the passage uh, i tell you all the time it was the glory of god to conceal it to hide it right but not hide it to where we would never find it i give you the illustration like a daddy hides an easter eggs right out there in the open like it's right there just go get it as you seek you find it is the glory of kings to search it out right and we're bringing that glory all over the earth right So his kingdom also is not a church organization. Let's say it again. His kingdom is not equal sign church organization. Meaning, everything that I do for such and such established church, established in 1942, whatever it is, Is not equal to kingdom. Now, does the church organization play a part in kingdom? Yes, but it's not equal to. We've got to get that in our minds. We are, regardless of what an established organization is doing on the earth, and in that community, we are, as people, kingdom people, we bring kingdom every day wherever we are. That's a huge difference i got to get my church on board to do this. I need to get my church to do this. I need to get my church to do that. And the church organization can play a role in that. But we can't equate that to kingdom because kingdom is coming wherever you go. Like I don't have to wait on my pastor to tell me to be light as I'm pumping the gas to the person right next to me. I'm listening to the still small voice on the inside that says, hey, give them this word. I don't know those people. But this happened to them when they were little and they need to be established in my love and this is what I need you to tell them. What if they look at me like I'm crazy? they already looking at you like you're crazy because you're over there talking to yourself right now. <laughs> so just go ahead and tell them. Confirm your craziness. That's what kingdom looks like as we're establishing it on the earth. So remember before, what well, we looked at last week, Jesus beat death. Right, he beat sin, he beat death, and we looked at he beat it physically, but he also beat it spiritually. Right, and then it says many, many were raised before. Right, before that, we said he's the first fruit. So how is he the first fruit if people have been raised from the dead before? He's a first fruit raised from the dead physically and what? Spiritually, with a what kind of body? What did it say? What kind of body did he have? We didn't go over that last week. What kind of body did he have when he come up out? What does the Bible describe it as? A glorified body. Now we don't know exactly everything about this glorified body, but there are some things that we do know. He can walk through walls, like on Aladdin. Poof! There he is. Poof! There he is. Poof! There he is. Right. Like they're all meeting, doors locked, nobody can come in, and he just there he is. Peace. Ah, right? Walk through walls. So there's this glorified body in this physical realm and this aspect of it that begins to take place as now spirit, this life-giving spirit, is now reigning on the earth. Right? So I'm going to give you some more pictures of that because you've got to get this before we can go to where I want us to go. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians, That was my introduction. Actually, last week and all today is introduction, really. 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 16. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up, what? Either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply Perished. Like they're just non-existent. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. And I would just like to point out that that's a lot of our doctrine already. So we should be pitied. We should be feeling sorry for ourselves. (laughs) Not really. We're we're people who are awakened to truth. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from what? The dead. As the what? First fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who, past tense, have died. For since death came through a man, which was Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, which was who? Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made what? Alive. But each one in his proper order, Christ, the first fruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Then the final stage of completion comes when he will bring to an end every other rulership. Where well, we heard this before. When we start off in Ephesians, what they say says underneath his feet. When he will bring to an end every other rulership, authority, and power and he will hand over his kingdom to Father God. Until then, he is destined to reign as king until all hostility has been what? Subdued and placed under his feet. And the last enemy to be subdued is what? Death. The Father has placed how many things? All things and subjected under his feet of Christ, which we just read in Ephesians. Yet when it says all things, it is understood that the father does not include himself, for he is the one who placed all things and subjected to Christ. However, when everything is subdued and in submission to him, the son of man himself will be subject to the father who put all things under his feet. This is so that the father God will be everything in every one. Now Ephesians says he's in you and you're in him. So how do you play a part in this? Do you play a part in this or is this just God and, and Jesus doing that thing? If it's underneath your feet and he says, what's going to happen? It's going to be subdued until it's all gone, including what? Including what? Death. Death. You you can't get much simpler than that. Something to shout about. Oh, like do you see it? Can you grasp it? Sometimes we still have trouble here. Let me take you to one more. Colossians one. Colossians chapter one, verse fifteen. He is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. Who is he talking about? Jesus. And the firstborn heir of all creation. That is that first fruit again. There's that word again. Firstborn of all creation. For in him was created the universe of things both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. Both realms, dual reality. All that is seen and all that is unseen. The things you can see with your physical eyes and then there's things that you can't. We even know that happened even in the Old Testament. He says, Father, open his eyes so he can see. And he saw all those soldiers, remember, all across the mountain. He didn't see it before. His spiritual eyes had to be enlightened, right? Every sea of power, realm, of government, principality, and authority. There's those words again. It all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made and now everything finds completion where? In him, right? He is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, since he is the beginning, firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one holding first place, what? In everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent. Meaning that everything that from Adam down, that Satan wanted to claim, he can't. By the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent. Restored to innocence again. Yes. Before we said, I believe the enemy and I'll agree with the enemy. Right? Because from that moment on, what happened? You just saw decay. Decay, 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 decay. No more decay. Right? Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts, why were you distant? What did you say? Because of your what? Your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He releases supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as a sin payment on your behalf. Why? So that you would dwell in his presence. Now there is nothing between you and the Father, for he sees you as holy. He sees you as flawless. He sees you as restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news that I, Paul, am preaching everywhere I go. That's why he says, I got the chains, bro. That's why I got licks on my back is because of this message, because the religious cannot handle it. Right now, one thing that he says right here in Colossians, Paul says you need this revelation, and he says, "What is the revelation that you need?" In verse, uh, it was back in verse eighteen. This is the revelation that you need: the firstborn heir in resurrection, the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. In other words, he says, "Why is he first place?" Why? Some of your translations probably says preeminent, meaning first place. Why does he have first place? Because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrections. All things now, he says, belong to him. He was the first one raised from the dead, what? Physically and spiritually. And where were you, Paul says in Ephesians? In him. Two people, understand. All right, we're going back to the beginning. Go back to (laughs) Ephesians. (laughs) Where were you? In him. In the resurrection, you were in him. In the ascension, you were in him. He was seated by the right hand of the Father. You were with him. Remember John chapter 3 whenever we were talking about Nicodemus the other day? The very first Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he's looking at Jesus and he knows all this religious stuff, right? He is a Pharisee. He understands religious jargon. He understands the Bible front and backwards. He can quote the Bible. He can quote the Torah to you. And what does he say? i got to get close to this dude because there's something different. He can feel it. He can know it. Right? That's what happened to me in my little Baptist world. And Hayes Patrick came from Mississippi. And he began to preach a revival message. And I remember most people sitting there saying, Yeah, was pretty good. But I remember sitting there looking at this dude going, Hold up. There is something, my spirit is, is saying, there is something different about this dude. It's like he believes the things that happen in Acts, and he's living these things that happen in Acts. And I ain't never been around nobody like this. And my spirit was all of a sudden awakened. And so then I told you my story about me and Hazen. And I said, look dude, uh, before you leave, we got to talk. He just looked at me and grinned. And I said, no, for real, we got to talk. There's something different about you and I need to know what it is. Well, we've been on this journey ever since. <laughs> something happens to you when you become awakened to truth. You become alive, right? You become alive. And John, I mean, in the book of John in, in chapter three, Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus and Nicodemus can't get it. Right? You remember that? He's just like, what? I'm supposed to go to my mom. What? I don't understand. And Jesus looked at him and he says, You can't see these things unless you have spiritual eyes. Unless you are born what? Again. Unless you are born again, you can't see without these spiritual eyes. So when we're born again, we get what? New lenses. New eyes. Right? Regenerated spirit. Right? Galatians 1. Okay, Galatians 1. I know this is heavy. I know it's a lot. But if you give me about 45 more minutes. 41 maybe. (laughs) Mm. Galatians 1 verse 6. I am shocked over how quickly you have strayed away from the one who called you in the grace of Christ. When you get confused. You know what I do sometimes? Like we talk about some stuff Sometimes. That we would never talk about out loud probably. But when I get confused, you know what I do? I just go back to my base of grace. And understand and know who I am. And then I start getting back up through that whole process of what we just talked about. How we've been through Right? Just go back to grace. Because grace is the foundation. That foundation of righteousness. Paul says if you don't get the foundation of righteousness, you're never going to get anything else. So if I get confused, what I do? I go back to my base. That grace and righteousness, that I'm in him, he's in me, right? I'm at right standing, I don't have to be afraid, I don't have to come to him in fear, all those kinds of things, I just say, God, I don't understand this, you're going to have to help me, let me go back to the things I do understand and just rebuild me back again, right? So Galatians, he says, I'm shocked over how quickly you strayed away from the one who called you into this grace. I'm astounded that you now embrace a distorted gospel. Well, he said the gospel of grace, so what is the distorted gospel then? What's the opposite of grace? I mean, Brent's got this message, right? We talk about this all the time. So he got what I'm trying to lay down. I want you to respond. What's the opposite of grace? What is what did he not want you to do? What did he say? Don't ever intermingle grace and law. The law, the works, right? Distorted gospel means it is part of the what? Works-based religion. Okay? And he says that is a fake gospel. It's simply not true. There is only one gospel. The good news of Christ. What's he saying to us in Ephesians? I want you to get what this good news is all about in Christ. Because it's all in Christ and you are in Him. Like that's what I'm trying to teach you. Yet you have allowed those who mingle law with grace to do what? Confuse you. But even if... We are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel different than the one we preach to you. Let them be under God's curse. Let me make it clear. And then why would they even be cursed? Because what does the law do? Produce sin. Produces sin, which produces Death. death. Just want to make sure you understand that. Let me make it clear, anyone, no matter who they are, that brings a different gospel than the gospel that you have received, let them be condemned and cursed. I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with men. But what? My supreme passion is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I would fail to be a true servant of Christ. Beloved ones, let me repeat emphatically that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. Hmm. No one taught me this revelation. Remember, Paul talked about him going into the desert for three years. No one taught me this revelation for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of who? Jesus Christ. He says, in other words, this is not something that I got in this physical realm. Now I want you to look a little bit beyond what he just said in the scripture, and I want you to get what he's trying to tell you. He says, "No man sat me down and took it by a book and explained this to me, but instead, in this desert place for three years, I got face to face with God, and in that face to face encounter, I went got caught up in the with the Lord on the I mean caught up in the heavens on the Lord. Day. remember when he said that? He would go into heavenly places." He would see these things and the Lord would reveal these things. What? Spirit to spirit. And he would write them down. Not only did he write them down, there's some things that I don't even have to write down, but because when the Spirit gives it to me, it never leaves me. Like it's in there. Like Prego. The Prago is in there, whatever. It was. It's in there. Because he's given it to me, right? So there's this spiritual dimension that he's talking about here that you've got to get where your spirit is enlightened, right? There's a lot of times we can read books and we can hear podcasts and we can listen to people and that's all good, right? You can glean from those things, but it's when the spirit releases to your spirit what's going on. And whenever he does that, like there's things like I wouldn't be sitting here today if the spirit had not spoke to me. Right? Because everybody that I knew around me says, nope, that's not it. <laughs> like when Brent read the wrong passage, that's not, it, that's not <laughs> it. Everybody looked at me and said, that's not it. Right? But I knew. Like I didn't have to have their approval because even though it hurt so bad, and even though nobody understood me, and I couldn't explain it to anybody what was going on, and they wouldn't understand me, right? I still had to keep going in the direction He called me because when His Spirit spoke, that's the only way I could find life was to follow the Spirit. I couldn't find life if I followed man. I could only... When I follow Spirit is when it came alive. You understand what I'm saying? So Adam, all the way from Adam, right? He's a dead man walking from that moment on. Just what we just saw, right? He's a dead man walking. like He's still here physically, but... And he's still a spirit being. Don't get me wrong. He's still a spirit being. Whenever I say he's a dead spirit, what I'm saying is, is he come under the the alignment of his new father. Because his father is whoever he's believing. Who did he believe? Who did he believe? In the garden, who did he believe? Himself? He believed Satan. He believed the whisper, right, of the enemy. And he made it a what? Agreement and he says, I'm going to do just like he did. But what did he do? He made a trade. Right? The enemy makes this trade with God, trying to prove himself. He's cast down to the earth. Enemy says, This is my chance. Enemy's like, This is my chance to go in and steal, kill, and destroy. Because if I can get them to release that authority to me, brother, we finna have this place. And what did he do? He made the agreement so that what was born, because he, remember, God already established. Once he established him, he said, what? Well, I'm leaving it to you. Be fruitful and multiply. Right? So now what's he multiplying? That nature. He's multiplying a different nature than what was intended from the very beginning. So he's multiplying that nature, right? This is that manifold wisdom of God that whenever you begin to start looking at the Old Testament passages, you're going to see Christ in every piece of it. No longer will you see this mad God. You're going to see a covenant God, yes. But all those covenants were man-made, what they wanted. It's not ever what God wanted. You know what God wanted? He showed you through Christ. He wanted you this whole time. So Satan, all he can do is counterfeit. Satan cannot create, he can only counterfeit what he sees, right? One of the things I felt like God was showing me whenever I was looking at this, it was just like I had this picture When he says, now, in Christ, you are a life-giving spirit. So up to that point, what was Adam being? What was he producing? Well, producing life. He's producing death and decay, right? But he says, now in Christ you are a life-giving spirit. He's the first fruit among many. He is the first fruit that is a life-giving spirit on the earth. So he is giving life everywhere he goes. He has not had to counterfeit anything. That's why we should not accept the counterfeits. Because you are not a counterfeit. That is not your nature anymore. Your nature now is a life-giving spirit. So if he can only counterfeit, think about the Old Testament passages. Now this is only, I could only see this in the spirits, the only reason why I feel comfortable telling you this. Think about the Old Testament passages. If they were not life-giving spirits, what were they setting up with their temples, their sacrificial system, and all those things? A counterfeit of the real thing. But it all was pointing to Christ the whole time. Like they knew this is the way it should be, but they could not in their little minds, their born again minds because they weren't born again. They couldn't see what? The truth of who he really was. So what did God say? I never desired sacrifices. What did he tell you about the law? Everyone went through the covenants. Those people demanded the law at Mount Sinai. It's not what he wanted. In fact, he invited them, not just Moses. He wanted them all to come upon the mountain where they could experience the presence of God. And they said, nope, just let him go. You just give us the law and we'll show you what to do with it. It was a counterfeit. Instead of enjoying life giving upon life giving, they still were operating in the counterfeit. He does not want you to operate in the counterfeit anymore. You are a life giving spirit. Which means this. You are invited into the real Holy of Holies. Not a temple, he said, by by human hands. But I'm building you, my brother. And I'm building you up to be a display of my glory. And I'm asking you to come boldly into the throne of grace with confidence and boldness to receive whatever you ask for. Because you were in me and I am in you. And you were at the right hand of the Father. And we are going to establish my kingdom on the earth. That is what has come now. Right? Right? All that old, he says. If anyone is in Christ, the old has gone and the new has what? Come. And so what we see in Christ, the relationship that he had with Father, is the same relationship that we are invited to now. That is as Jesus would get alone, as he was transfigured on the mount of transfiguration, those face to face encounters, that was real. It's not just a story in the Bible. It was real encounters. And they got to see it. They got to display it, which was two realms operating at the same time. And they got to be invited into the two realms. And you're invited into two realms today. Remember Galatians 5 it says, Do not, uh, no, it says, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not what? fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why is that even true? Because if you're walking in the Spirit, you're a life giving spirit. So therefore, you can't fulfill anything that produces death because you're a life giving spirit. That's who you are. The problem is, for most of us, though, it hasn't caught up here, between our minds. Here. Right? So this dual reality. You're physically at the right hand of the Father. He's in you. You're in Him. I want to give you one more passage as we close and we're going to go in just spend some time with him 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 the fading ministry came with a portion of glory but now when now Now we listen to this word embrace remember the picture I gave you with you now we what Embrace. We don't come with fear. We don't come with "He' about to strike me down" because I did something bad today. What am I coming with? I'm coming into an embrace of His unfailing love. This says, "But now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. It don't fade. It's yours." So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and in boldness, meaning can't be fearful, not holding back, to speak the truth. We are not like Moses, who used a veil to hide the glory to keep Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed. Remember what I said? at the bottom and he invited them all to come up and they said nope send somebody else you know how many times I've heard that pastor you gonna pray over them because your prayers are better than mine no 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 you just don't know who you are you just hadn't understood yet who you are their minds were closed and hardened for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant remember that's why Paul said you don't mix what? Grace and law. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. Because they're still looking at it with what? Old Covenant eyes. Right? Right? Still looking at it with old covenant eyes, not through the lens of Jesus. Remember Jesus on the, um, the, the road to Emmaus and, and he talked to those two guys, right? And what did it say he did? He went through all the scripture showing them where he was in it the whole time. And it said there, what? Hearts burned with fire. They didn't look at it the same anymore. We have that same opportunity. But the moment one turns to the Lord... With an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. Wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to Him with the veil. Who can All draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of Lord Jesus. You become what you behold. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Don't say, but that was just Jesus. No, just turn into Him and just become just like Him. It is no striving. It's not getting up and saying, what can I try to do to be like Jesus today? Oh, I hope, and I don't have to wear my WWJD bracelets to say, what would Jesus do? It's just simply I'm getting into His face, and when I'm getting into His face, I'm just going to automatically reflect His glory. Amen. But if you don't know who you are, you're never going to get into that place. And if you never get into that place, you're never going to walk into authority. Remember? Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Right? The demons tremble. It says they know, they know who Jesus is and they tremble in fear. We're not like demons. We're not demonic. That is not our nature. So we don't tremble. But it says the demons tremble. Right? They know who he is. And when the seven sons of Sceva showed up to try to cast the demons out, they said, Jesus, I know. Mm-hmm. He done some damage to us. We know him. Paul, we even know him done some damage to us too. I don't know who you are. And they overtook them. You know what I believe that verse means? They didn't know who they were because the seven sons of Sceva didn't know who they were. Because you've got to get into the face of the one you replicate. And when you do, begin to understand who you are, when you begin to understand who you are, authority is released from that place. So let's just close our eyes just a minute. Take a deep breath. Release everything that you brought into this place. All your worries, all your stress, things that you don't understand in life. I want it all to come off so I could see it still weighted on some of your shoulders. Take a deep breath again. Just release all your worries, your doubts, your anxieties. No longer are they yours. Let's do it one more time as we breathe in. The Word of God says we breathe in Yahweh. He is breath. He is spirit. He is ruah says we just release and we just say Father we give you everything we give you all things all people we just release it to you they're yours every situation we just release to him and now I just want you to be still the word of God says be still and know that I am God just be still let your heart be still not just talking about physically your being at the door and the door knock. Anyone opens the door, I'll come sit with him. We're going to have some intimacy together. Just like clouds beginning to disperse in front of you at a million miles an hour and all of a sudden you find yourself arriving in his presence as one turns to the Lord. Where is he? He's in you. season, one thing I see is I see his big smile on his face, because he is so happy. Remember that picture I gave you with Julie? Then like he finally decided to show up, is that we turned within and let the veil be removed. love. A love that never fails and never fades. Just enjoy Him for a minute. Just enjoy His presence. Maybe this wasn't a compliment this week by this person, but I took it as a compliment. They said, you know, back in the olden days, At school, we was fearful of our principal. He walked out. Boy, we were shaking in our boots. We were afraid we were going to get it. When you walk down the halls, they all wanted just love on you. I just smiled because they were... Because whenever they said that, I got the picture of Jesus that I always get. A lot of times I get this vision. A lot of times when I go to that place, sometimes I'm walking over there to where he is already playing with children. And the children are laughing and dancing every time. I see children with him. They are dancing and they're playing. They have no fear. They have no worries. And they are just enjoying his presence. It's always by this tree and it's always by this riverbed that I see them dancing and having the best time of their life. Jesus that needs to get out of our vocabulary just like that poor pitiful sinner saved by grace needs to get out of our vocabulary you were for a nanosecond but you are righteous redeemed, holy, set apart, beloved bright, shining life giving spirit that is who you are and you are in him and he is in Father, we thank you for your power and your presence of your word, that it moves among your people. And we thank you, God, that in you we have our being. Thank you that by you, for you, through you, all things exist. And we thank you that you're restoring all things back underneath your feet and how you're doing that as you're raising up sons, are ruling and reigning on the earth bringing your kingdom on the earth who understand and know that the last enemy to be defeated is death and we're going to bring it. No more decay. How can you bring decay if you're a life-giving spirit? I'm telling you where he's taking you. This is introductory. The introduction where he's taking you as to a place to understand. An understanding so that you can walk in that authority. That we're not going to be fearful no matter what the government's doing, no matter what the world's problems are, no matter how doom and dark it seems. There was darkness over the earth but you know what it also says and the Holy Spirit was brooding over Mm. he was brooding over bringing life through his people so we receive it we receive your embrace we receive your love receive everything that you have given us and we say yes and we say amen and we believe and we decree and we declare it in Jesus name amen may you have a great week you can stand and you can worship whatever you want to do but have a great week love you guys